the recipient realizes you want to say something, but what is it? Right? There's no farmer that has ever meant to sow wheat seed and sowed corn seed. Has never happened that I know of. Because he knows what he wants to sow. In West Texas, where I come from, they'll say, uh, that guy's a wheat farmer. Well, what does that tell you? What, is, what does he sow? What does he reap? Right? You go up around Nebraska, what do they sow up there? Corn. Oh, them corn-fed boys up there. Hallelujah. Well, they call them corn huskers. They ain't been husking much corn lately, but... Uh, For any of you Nebraska fans out there, I, I think that Kansas just won the national championship. So, hallelujah! Well, let's see. We won our championship a lot quicker and a lot less years than your last one came to you. So, in any event, I'm not going to get into that. Daryl, put your taser away. It's okay. <laughs> now we're just funning. We're family. But you understand what I'm saying? If you see corn in a field, what do you immediately recognize? You recognize that a seed of corn was sowed. Hallelujah. The seed is what multiplies. Verse 10, he that ministers of 2 Corinthians 9, he that ministers seed to the sower will minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And the result uh, is that you will require no aid or support and have all sufficiency in all things. Now, again, that sounds simple. And I'm not saying you because I don't know. But I would say that a full 85-90% of the Christians that you know never see this. They never experience that. Because they donate or they give. You're not giving or donating, you're sowing. Amen. It's so important. Glory to God. So he says he multiplies the seed sown and increases the fruit of your righteousness. The seed is physical money. Financial abundance is a harvest of righteousness. It is a result of being righteous. In other words... Part of my righteousness is financial abundance. Glory to God. So righteousness as fruit, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. The seed taps into the unseen and makes it a reality. 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I believe God. Well, if you'd like to sow today, there is an envelope there in the seat back in front of you. You can certainly sow into the kingdom of God. We have different ways that you can sow. You can text to give FDIC plus amount to 28950. Uh, as well, you can give online at uh, buildfaith.net. And we do have some projects going on. And uh, hallelujah, we'll read another scripture about our Ezra project in just a moment, but we'll give at the same time. Uh, project 2414, of course, our television ministry, 10.23%. Uh, we are calling that paid on time and uh, in full. And so it's just a, a matter of time until God does his best. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, we have a word supply, which it's going out as quick as it comes in. And that's how it should be. Uh, so praise the Lord. And uh, then uh, if you would like to give today, of course, into our uh, transportation department as well, we're believing God for some things in that arena, upgrades and whatnot to the transportation so we can more adequately uh, serve in both locations. And we're believing God for great things. If you'd like to give to that, you can certainly do so. Uh, now, our Ezra project will give at the same time, but Isaiah chapter 2 is where I want to look at this. Uh, Ezra project, of course, is our uh, building program. Glory to God. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, It shall come to pass in the last days the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. The uh, New Living Bible says that the house of the Lord will be the most important place on the face of the planet. And uh, I believe that with all of my heart. Amen. God is so good to us. Praise the Lord. So, gentlemen, you can come on today. When you're ready to sow your seed, why don't you stand on your feet this morning? Thank you, Lord. God is so good to us. So good. You've been so good. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We're grateful. We're thankful for the seed that's being sown, Lord. We thank you that we have seen in your word. Father, where the seed multiplies and the seed produces an abundance in every area of our lives. And Father, we thank you that everything that you've promised concerning the year of 2022 that we're in, you said the second thing that you said was that if we would believe, it would be a year of astounding abundance. Lord, on down in that word, you said that we would receive recompense for any damages, any loss that we had incurred. And then on down, Father, Lord, you said that you would do unprecedented things. So, Father, we thank Oh, yes, Lord. You said in your word that it was a thing unheard of that a nation would be born in a day. But yet, Father, that occurred when the nation of Israel came into being in one day. So there are those, Father, that are thinking this is going to take a long time. 
But the word of the Lord is simple and plain in that he is saying, if I could produce a nation in one day, I can do what you're asking me to do in a short period of time. And Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You can come rejoicing today. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, Lord, bless the seed to this man of God in the name of Jesus. More than enough, more than enough, more than enough, more, more, more than doors of unprecedented favor in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we lift these seeds to you today. As your under-shepherd, I thank you for them. They are precious seed to you. And Father, they are precious to us, and we never take this moment lightly. And we thank you that the anointing that is on this ministry and the anointing that's on my life and my wife's life will flow through the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's go today to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I, uh, there's something that you can uh, put down on your calendar uh, for the month of October uh, this year. Uh, Reverend Jesse Duplantis will be with us. And so uh, we're excited about that. Hallelujah. Just got word from him the other day that he will be with us in uh, the uh, Little Rock location. And, uh, but that means he'll be here too because uh, we'll, be, we'll be streaming it here as well. So we're excited about him being a part of uh, what God's doing in our ministry. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Most Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. Most believers that you encounter are, are very ignorant of spiritual things. And um, that's not an indictment. That's not a... a a slam against them. It's just that most believers that you will encounter are somewhat ignorant of spiritual things. And for many, the greatest area of ignorance is uh, where their authority is concerned. Now, when I say authority, I know our minds can go directly to the authority of the believer and these different things, and that's not wrong. But for, for many, for most of them, for the, the, the greatest area of ignorance is where their authority is concerned and the operation of it. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and notice what he says. He says, beginning in verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Notice, neither give place to the devil. Hallelujah. Now, Paul's writing believers, and the first thing he says to them is not to lie to each other. Now, you would think, would you have to write believers and tell them not to lie? Evidently, he did. Because why? Evidently, they were lying. Right? And then he said, notice the second thing, be angry and don't sin. And for believers, now most of the time people take this out of its setting, and use it for men and women in, in the marriage setting. 
Well, you know, husbands and wives aren't supposed to let the wrath, sun go down on the wrath. Well, that's true, but this is, this is not talking to husbands and wives. It's talking to the church. And he says, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then what's the next phrase? Neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the slanderer. Don't give place to the adversary. You have enough challenges in your life without giving the adversary a door into your life. You have enough issues without giving the adversary a door into your life. Amen. And so that's why he states, this is why this is important. Don't give place to the devil. The Roost Bible says, and stop giving an occasion for acting or an opportunity to the devil. So that tells me something. He says, stop giving him this occasion to act. That means I can stop it. And it tells me he's looking for an opportunity to act out in my life. And notice what he said. Stop giving it. So that means if I have been, I can stop it. Oh, tell your neighbor, say, if he has been, you can stop it. Tell him one more time. Say, if he has been, you can stop it. Glory to God. Oh, this is important. The NEB, the Nebraska version. No, not really. New, new, new English version. <laughs> What's that verse saying in, in the Nebraska version? Don't shuck your corn while the sun's going down. No, it says, <laughs> Hallelujah, with your pants on. Amen. It says, Leave no loophole for the devil. Leave no loophole for the devil. The Phillips translation says, Don't give the devil that sort of foothold. Now notice, there's two things you got to see here. I have the ability to stop it, but I'm also the one that gives it. I give him the opportunity, but I can stop the opportunity. Glory to God. That, that, that's good gospel news. Amen? So, Paul says that the devil, that there is a devil... And he's looking for an occasion to act against us. Now, I know religion talks about the devil in terms of, well, you know, the old devil's out and he's prowling around. Boy, you better watch out for him. Your mindset should be, he better watch out for me. Now, that needs to be the mindset. But a person with that mindset is shutting doors. Closing loopholes. My home is very well protected, but I don't go to bed at night with the doors unlocked thinking, I'm, my home's protected. I'm here. Everything's all right. No, it's not, because I'm going to be asleep 
And if the doors open and a thief comes in, my father one time, there was a rash of burglaries in Florida where they lived. And uh, uh, they were calling this guy the cat burglar. And people were kind of making light of him. That guy got in my parents' house and rifled through things in their bedroom. And they slept through it. Now, to hear my dad talk, now dad's in heaven now, but to hear him talk then, well, bless God, nobody could do that to me. He did it. He did it. Why? Because the thief doesn't come in your house and run into the wall and knock the chair over and make, right? He's a thief. He realizes that he's somewhere he's not supposed to be. And if the owner wakes up, there will be a problem. So that's why every night you go around your home and you lock the doors and you may set the alarm. Amen. You know where your little friend's at or your big friend, right? But you know where they're at. You have them strategically placed because that's your home. And no one that doesn't have a right or a reason to be there is going to have an easy time if they show up. Is that right? But notice, who keeps the door locked? Right? I laugh. I hear people say, well, I wish we had. You know, I remember back in my day, we didn't lock doors. I know, but we're not in your day no more. We're in this day. We are in a time, listen, we are in a time that the enemy is after the plan of God for people's lives like he has never been after it before. He is at, listen, he is after your plan that God has for your life. He's not playing a game. The, the enemy does something that a lot of believers don't do. He plays for keeps. He plays to not make it hard on you but to destroy you. He plays to destroy your life, your reputation, the plan of God for your life. And, and you don't just overcome by saying, well, I've got the victory. I have authority in Jesus' name. The enemy doesn't play like that. Now, I'm not making much of him. I'm telling you, that's your adversary. Is that right? And Paul says... Oh, glory. That he's looking for a loophole or a foothold. And he also tells us we can deny him that access. It's, it's my choice. Don't give place. Hallelujah. So as believers, we have to understand that one of his main tools is deception. And if he's going to exert any authority in a believer's life, he's got to keep them in ignorance. And in order to do that, he's got to deceive them. Amen. Deception, let's go to 1 Timothy. Deception was his tool from the beginning. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Oh, glory. 
and uh, verse 14. It says, and Adam was not deceived. Now, I've heard men preach that and say, see there, we weren't deceived. No, we just walked into it with eyes wide open. We just took the fruit on purpose. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. In other words, she started the thing. But notice, notice the phrase, she was deceived. Can you show me that from the Amplified Bible, please? Notice this. This, this is so important where what we're talking about is concerned. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and deluded and fell into transgression. How did he get her to fall into transgression? He deceived her and deluded her. Is that right? He deceived her and deluded her. He had to deceive her, so he had to delude the thinking. That word delude means to mislead. It means to, uh, uh, to mislead the mind or the judgment of. The deception came many ways. The deception came through, look at the fruit that God doesn't want you to eat of. Look how good it looks. Look how wonderful. Don't, can't you imagine how, much it ta- how well it tastes? And oh, also, God's hiding something from you. Deception and delusion. Right? Amen. And deception has to do with the mind. Now, we can teach great messages on what Adam should have done. That failure is in the Bible for a reason. It's to tell us how the enemy works. God said this, right? But he's going to come with deception and say, you need to do this. God said this, but God's hiding something from you. That's deception. Nobody has the ability to shut that door but me. Glory to God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11, and verse 3, Paul's writing, Paul is writing to the most spiritual church in the New Testament. They have more gifts of the Spirit in operation. They have more miracles. They have more signs. They have more wonders. They have been partners with Paul his entire ministry. And yet, when you read through 1 and 2 Corinthians, they have a guy that's living in sin with his stepmother. How many know that's deception? Hallelujah. Right? But they, and what did Paul say? He said, you're, you're not even ashamed of this. And now here he writes to them in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, He said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Mm. As the serpent beguiled Eve, that word means to deceive or to seduce completely. 
And he did this through his subtlety, his craftiness, his cunningness, his trickery. Hallelujah. The word also means this, readiness to do anything. I need you to see this today. There's nothing that the devil considers off limits. What's the Bible say he'll do in John 10, 10? What's it say? That he comes to? Jesus said he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy adults. Just adults? Kids? Just, just men? Women? Right? Just white folks? Black folks? Hispanic folks? What's his mode of operation against everybody? Steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing's off limits. Nobody is off limits. Oh, Pastor, I don't like this too much yet. Well, hold on. See, nothing's off limits. You can be anointed and appointed and called, and you are not off limits. You are not off limits. And you are capable of giving your mind to his deceit and his trickery if I don't keep the door shut. Oh, glory. This lets us know, again, there's nothing the enemy won't do. He'll lie. He'll cheat. He'll twist the facts to you in order to reach his ultimate goal, which is what? Deception and destruction. That's his ultimate goal. That's why Jesus warned us in Matthew 12 and Luke 11. He said, he said you need to be careful because, uh, just to paraphrase it, he said, there are things that you have been freed from that you can open the door back to if you don't keep the door shut. Amen? Look at, uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, verse 3. If our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Blind the minds. That means to darken the perception. To darken the perception. So he don't have to change your mind about something. He just has to darken the way you see it. He just has to obscure the perception. Do you see this? Just has to obscure the perception. I was dealing with a minister one time, and uh, he's no longer a minister, but he was a minister then, very close to me. And he called me and told me some things that he was going to get involved in. I was mowing the yard. Actually, I was mowing the yard one day, and the Lord told me what he was doing. And so I met with him, had lunch with him, and I was talking to him, and uh, he began to tell me what he was getting involved in. And I asked him a question. I said, how do you think 
that something that destroyed your life one time is now going to help you. Right? See, he, he got involved in medical marijuana. A preacher. And I said, how do you think that the very thing that destroyed your life one time is now going to be of some service? Well, you just don't understand. Hmm. No, I understand you're deceived. He said, is that what you told him? Exactly what I told him. I understand you're deceived. Your mind, your, your perception is being obscured. Well, pastor, I would never do that. Well, you never do that. But it comes in other forms. Oh, hallelujah. It comes in other forms. Now, think about it. Here's a person with a call. Here's a person with an anointing. Here's a person with a church. Here's a person that has people looking to them. And the enemy worked on them over a year. Are you following me? Now, how is that? Well, they didn't know the word. They did too. They knew the word. They didn't know their authority. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Well, you know, they weren't as anointed. The very anointed, very anointed. Heard them preach, and that anointing would come on them, and the boy, they could preach. Amen. But there was a door open. That, that loophole wasn't closed. See, the enemy tries to sneak in through areas that you don't think are any big deal. I'm not watching that area. Or... He'll go through the same door that's the often used path because it's easy access. Mm. Hallelujah. He will always take the pathway of least resistance. Always. If, if he can find a way where a person's dealing with something and it's always been an issue for them, and he knows I can get in there, that's, that's the way he'll go. The enemy has a satanic cunning. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's got a satanic cunning. He will never attack your strength. Right? But what's he doing? He's roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. I studied that in depth, and... And one time, he's probing the defenses. That's why a thought, right? A thought will come to your mind. Take, take it, for instance, where your healing is concerned, your physical health. You, you get up in the morning, you got a headache. And the enemy will say something like, you got a tumor. And you'll go, no, I don't have a tumor. In the name of Jesus, I'm redeemed from tumors. Oh, okay. And then you'll flip the chart. Oh, you got migraines. No, I don't have migraines. I'm redeemed from migraines. Then he'll flip the chart. You got allergies. No, I don't have allergies. I'm redeemed. He'll flip the chart again. You got sinus problems. That's it. I'm not saying you're wrong if you got sinuses. I'm saying I'm trying to show you how he works. Started with a tumor. You wouldn't take it. 
He kept going down the list till he got you to take something. Because if I'll take that, he can start working on this. If I'll let him in here, he can start working on the other thing. See, you got to understand this. He's not just after your emotions. He's after your life. He's not just after your ministry. He's after your family. He's not just after your physical life. He wants your reputation. He wants everything that you hold. That's, that's what the enemy is, is, is after. Amen. And, 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 and when I see people opening doors, it concerns me. Do you know what's hunting you? Hallelujah. Now, glory. So the God of this world obscures people's perception through their minds. Non-believers or believers? Amen. I had a lady that got mad and left the church because I said abortion was a sin. Actually, I blame that one on my wife. My wife said it. <laughs> and you say, well, pastor, that's a given. Well, I know, but this is a Christian. This is a person that was singing on our praise team. Not here. They were singing on our praise team. And yet we started talking about the platforms that you stand on and went through the scriptures showing where abortion is murder. And this God-fearing, speaking in tongues, singing sister left the church because she believed abortion was a good thing. Those were her words. Well, I would never think that. You would never think that. Why did it, where, how did she get to that? Obscuring the perception. I had a man get mad and leave the church because I don't believe the earth's flat. Now, if you believe that, that's, uh, listen, I'm not making fun of anybody that believes that. But I'm saying, if you believe that, you have a right to believe that. I'm not going to run you down or be ugly about it. I'm not. I don't believe that. If I get to heaven and it was flat the whole time, praise God. I missed it. But I'm in heaven. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is the enemy used that to pull a person away from the word that had changed their life. Do, do, are you following me? Right? There's, there's no reason for How did that happen? The, the perception was obscured. You see that? So important. How, how did that happen? Both people... Spirit-filled, both people wouldn't lie to you, right? They, they would help you in anything you needed help with, but yet you hit that area where the enemy has a loophole, and he uses that to pull them away from the Word. To my knowledge, neither of those people are in church. So not only did he get them away from the Word, he got them away from the body. Do you see this? Recognize his plan. The devil's plan is not just to make it hard on us. It's to move us away. 
Amen. Anyone who has the obscurity taken from their minds, notice, will be saved. Now, this is important because if he can't stop you from being saved, there's nothing he can stop you from doing. Amen. He can't steal from you. He can't make you sick. You hear me? He can't destroy ministries or kill anybody. Right? I'm not, I'm not talking about facing a challenge physically. I'm talking about the devil can't just come put something on you and kill you. If I don't cooperate. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm not going to cooperate. Tell him, say, I'm not going to cooperate. Tell him one more time, I'm not going to cooperate. You know, there's, there's been a lot in the news lately about ministers falling. I've never seen so many ministers falling. But the Lord told us two years ago, He said, you're going you're gonna to see ministers of high position that are they're, they're going to fall, and you're going to go, how did that happen? And, and I'm watching it. And, and I watched the doors that were open. I'm just going to say this straight up because we're family. What business does a minister have drinking? None. Zero. Zero. What business does a Christian have drinking? Zero. None. None. Zero. Well, I just like wine coolers. You better put them down. Zero. The standards for the deacon in Timothy and Titus was that they are not given to wine. Now, would God put a standard on a leader that he wouldn't put on you? Well, I just believe as long as it's not in excess. Well, excess varies for the different person. That's an excuse. That's an excuse to go drink. Well, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm, I'm using this as an example. One of the ministers that fell, one of the ministers that fell into sin and had to resign. Well, you know what one of the problems was? He was at their international conference with his friends drinking. And he got up to his room and was so inebriated he couldn't get in his room. So he went next door to the lady's room, and she let him in. And they were together in her room for 40 minutes. Here's the problem. Well, did they do anything? They can't remember. They were drunk. Hallelujah. Now, is it any wonder that the enemy can get in there and put a stain on that ministry. Well, God forgives. I know God forgives. But how many people are now hurt? If you don't care about you, care about the people around you. How many people are now hurt? How many people got saved under that ministry and now think it's fake? What if he would have just said no to alcohol? 
Y'all all right with this? What if he would have just said no? What if he would have kept that door shut? I remember the year. I remember the year. This person was the head of the, of the Assembly of God in the country that they are a part of. And I remember the year that the ministers in the Assembly of God denomination in that country voted that their pastors could start drinking alcohol within limits, without excess. When the Bible says very plainly, a bishop has to be blameless and not given to wine. Well, everything in moderation. Well, how'd that work out for him? I'm not being critical of him. I'm saying, how'd that work out? How, how do you go from being an upstanding pastor to so drunk that I was in a woman's room and I can't tell you what happened? Well, God will forgive him. God will forgive him. But what about the stain? What about the challenge? What about now having to rebuild everything? The book of Proverbs talks about things that people will forgive, but it leaves a stain on a person's life. Proverbs chapter 6, you know where it talks about? It talks about uh, a man that's committing adultery. And then it says, you know, if a thief is found, men don't despise a thief because he steals to satisfy his own soul or to feed his family. He said, but he that commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. What does he lack the understanding of? That number one, that husband's not going to forgive you. And number two, you will get a blot. You will get a mark. I, I know a minister right now. I'm going to say his name, and, and I love his ministry. I watch it. I love it. Back in the 1980s, y'all will remember Jimmy Swagger standing up on TV and repenting for his sin. Jimmy Swagger has not committed, well, I don't know that he's not committed sin, but he's kept him, his ministry clean and pure for over 30 years. His ministry is stronger now than it's ever been. But if you're absolutely honest, when you hear the name Jimmy Swagger, the first thing you think of is adultery. The first thing you think of, even though you don't mean to. Right? Well, what happened? A door was open. You can't play with this. You can't play with offense. You can't play with wrong attitudes. You, 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 you can't play with being in and out. Things of the flesh, carnality, you got to put them away from you. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Bible has, no, the Bible has nothing positive to say about alcohol. Nothing. Not one positive thing does it have to say. Read through the book of Proverbs. Who has sorrow? Who has woe? Who has redness of eyes? The drinker. You know, the Bible also has nothing to say, positive to say about offense. It says with offense comes uh, 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 every evil work. But it's a door. If Satan can get an idea or a thought into a person's mind to get them to believe something that's incorrect, it creates a stronghold. And you can name any, any number of things. People talk about unconditional eternal security. You know, well, I'm saved and God understands and I just have unconditional eternal security. Well, that's erroneous. Live any way you want and still go to heaven. Mm-mm. 
Live any way you want, still operate your authority. Nope. Live any way you want, still be able to believe God. Mm -mm, no. Won't happen. The thing with a life of faith is it's a pure life. I heard Andrew Womack say something one time. If you know Andrew, Andrew's straightforward, but he, he is grace personified. But he made a statement one time that never, never left me. He said, I live holier by accident than most people do on purpose. Because he's not saying you don't have to live holy. He's saying God has given you the power to live holy. What's Titus say about grace? The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. It teaches us, and it gives us the power and the ability. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he, he said this thing, I besought the Lord three times, and the Lord said, Paul, my grace, my power, and my ability is sufficient for you. Was the enemy battering him? He was. Born in the flesh because of the abundance of the revelation. The, the, the deeper the call of God on your life, the more acute the attack becomes. And you got to recognize that. It's one thing to be called. I'm called by God. I have a call on my life. Everybody's got a call on their life. But if you've got a call to change people's lives and you've got a call to do things for God, the enemy will do what he can do to try to get through any door that you open. And the door that Paul, Paul, the door that the enemy was getting through in Paul's life was in the matter of public opinion. Everywhere he went, they were rising up against him and putting him in prison to stop the message from going forth. But the Bible says that Paul figured out the grace of God was sufficient for him and at the end of his ministry the thorn was gone and he said I preached to everybody nobody forbidding me you better watch those same things same thoughts same feelings same ideas that's the enemy he never changes the way he comes to you ever he just won't glory to God Glory to God. Amen. Look at, look, at, look at John 14. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and he has nothing in me. Now, this is so important. The Beck translation says, He has no claim on me. What does that mean? No doors open. No door is open. There's no claim on me. Am, am I helping you all with this? When doors are open, it's right of entrance. It's right of entrance. If, if the back door is open in this church, it's a right of entrance for anybody that wants to come in. Doors open. If I don't want that individual to have entrance, I have to shut the door. 
Jesus said, he has no claim on me. The Good Speed Translation says, the evil genius of this world. Amen. Well, he's not that smart. He stole the world. He came and deceived two people that were in perfection. That talked with God every day face to face. But how did he get there? They left the door open. Don't let your pride blind you to think that what you have to do for God or what God wants to do through you is just something the enemy doesn't have any access to. He only has no access to it if you're denying him that access. Hallelujah. Dr. Les Summerall was in Africa, and actually in Hawaii. I'll tell the Hawaii story first. He was in Hawaii. He was there to build a full-power television station in those islands. And he said, I was in my, bed, my uh, hotel room, and I was unpacking my clothes. And he said, all of a sudden, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And he said, the most evil presence I had ever experienced in my life came in that room. And he said, I heard the, the devil say to me, I don't want you in these islands. You get out of here. And he said, I never turned and looked at him. I just said, I'm not going anywhere. You get out of here in Jesus' name. He said, that presence persisted for about 20 minutes. And then it lifted. See, the enemy's looking for a way. I, I, I got to stop this. But what did he do? He, I'm not, I'm not. But here's the thing. There was no claim on him. There was, there was no loophole. There was nothing the enemy could get to. Amen. When, when he was in Africa, and he was going through the, 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 that village, and he came upon that witch doctor that had a giant bullfrog, and, and he was pouring a mixture of blood and wine in that bullfrog, and then turning it up and drinking it back out of that bullfrog, and had all the people deceived. Dr. Lester Summerall went up to him, laid hands on him in that village and commanded that demon to come out of him. That witch doctor fell over with a thud. The demon was gone. He got up. He gave his life to Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That night in the missionary's home, Dr. Summerall was laying in his bed, and he said the curtain stood straight out. He said the temperature dropped in that room, and my bed started vibrating and, and bouncing off the floor. And he said it bounced all the way back over in the middle of the floor. And he said, I set up and I said, I recognize you. You're that demon that I cast out of that witch doctor today. You get out of here. And he said, the temperature went back to normal. The, the, the curtains came down. And he said, I laid down and put my head on the pillow and it hit me. My bed's out in the middle of the floor. And he said, I set up 